Hello and welcome to You Just Got Homeschooled. I'm RJ and today I want to talk about how to get started homeschooling if you haven't done it yet or if you have and you just want a quick and easy way to do it. So here we go. Um, Homeschooling is kind of a complicated thing. It feels like a moving target a lot of times and that's for two reasons. One, um, your kid is moving both through curriculum and through time and space and um, what they need from you changes seemingly all the time. Secondarily, it's a moving target because you're also moving, right? You're on a, on a journey, on a trajectory to learn more and become better at, at homeschooling your kid. And so you're moving and they're moving. And you can imagine what that looks like um, when you're trying to, to have an easy way of doing things. And yet, I think there's a great benefit of that. When you, when you realize that you're both moving, it allows you some leeway, some grace within yourself to recognize that it's okay to miss the target a little bit. Um, it's, it's a moving target and you're a moving uh, shooter. And so as you're trying to hit this target, you're, you're going to miss sometimes and that's okay. And so I want to talk about easy ways to go about this. So first off is recognize that. Recognize that things are moving. Second off is you have to figure out where your kid is at, right? We need a starting point. And so a great way to do that with something like reading is have them read to you or have them read something that is quote unquote grade level or near where you think they are grade level and have a conversation. See whether or not they actually got what was there. Um, Use words or find words and ask them if they know what they mean, right? That'll give you a decent understanding of where they are reading wise. And then with writing, have them write something, right? Something they're typically passionate about. Um, Otherwise, you're going to fight them all the time to get them to write, Um, and, and you may have to fight them anyways, but have them write something for you and see what it looks like. Remember, if they're a second grader, it's going to look different than if they're a high schooler, but have them write something. And like I said, the more passionate they are, um, the more willing they will be to do it and the better quality sample you're going to get. And then look at that and say, okay, well, I noticed some spelling errors or some mistakes and then come in to find supports for that. Um, one of the products I like to use or I have used and, and like to use is Grammarly. It's free or at least the lower levels are free and you can use it in Google Docs and things like that. And it's great or you can write it in Word and then um, throw it into Grammarly and it helps you find spelling mistakes, punctuation mistakes, things like that. And it's great. But Um, it's great for helping you teach writing in a sense because it'll help clean up major errors for you. Um, When it comes to math, it all depends on what grade level they're in, right? If they're in elementary school, like early elementary school, have them, you know, do basic addition and subtraction. Just keep adding on the length of digits, add carrying, things like that, and see what happens. Um, Same thing with subtraction, borrowing, um, multiplication, division, right? Work your way up and see where are they at. There's lots of assessments online that you can use. You can pull out, you know, print off, find and print off tests, replacement tests. I know that Saxon Math, I believe, has one um, that's good for kind of figuring out where a kid is and where their holes are. And then review anything that they struggle in. I would say if you have the opportunity and the means, either you yourself or someone you know who can work with your kid and is willing to, sit down in those areas of struggle and explain and re-explain if necessary until they get those basic things. They need to know addition, subtraction, multiplication, division, um, kind of down pat, and then you can move from there. And it doesn't matter if they're in high school and they should be doing algebra two. If they don't have those fundamentals, there's going to be a problem. And so until they can get them right, fractions, decimals, those type of things, um, they need to be good on the fundamentals and be able to show the work. 
Um, some kids don't like that. Many people don't like that because it requires more work. And and don't don't be so stuck in a particular model that it says that the the work that is shown has to look like the book. Um, but be aware that there's multiple ways to solve a problem. And as long as they can demonstrate to you that their way of solving the problem on paper um, will get the correct answer every time, that should be fine. Uh, it, I know that like for me, I understood percentages long before I was taught it in school because my dad taught it to me. And it wasn't until I was an adult and a tutor that I was even able to comprehend how the school taught percentages. Um, but I could always get the right answer. And it was a slightly more complicated problem, but it worked in my head, right? Um, as far as history and science, those are a little bit more fluid, partly because they're not the kind of things that strictly build. Um, math and English build upon each other. You know, you're not going to be reading and understanding Shakespeare if you can't read and understand Dr. Seuss. And you won't be doing Algebra 2 effectively um, all like on paper if you can't do you know, basic addition and subtraction and multiplication and division without a calculator. So, but science and history, you're looking for holes. I would say in those cases, go find things that the kids are already interested in or things that you can tie into and build from there. And the internet is great for this. So are libraries. Um, reading books is just a great way to cover history and science. If your kids are readers, there you go. Both nonfiction and fiction books that either push the boundaries or include a lot of things, right? So uh, historical fiction is really good for helping introduce characters to time frames and periods, the manners of speech, the kind of world they live in, things like that. And then you might have biographies, autobiographies, or um, pieces of work that are specifically deal with things in history that are great. Same thing goes with science. Uh, if there's a, a book, either written or an audio book or something like that, a story that um, that engages them in the scientific world, I would say go for it. Um, same thing with like National Geographic or things like that. Have them read through or read things and, and respond to them, both written and verbally. Ask them questions about what they're learning. Um, documentaries and television shows that are in that kind of vein are great and cheap and or free, right? So I would say quick start wise, figure out where they're at and go from there. Recognize that the internet is a wonderful thing. You can learn anything for practically free or free. Um, and it ranges from, <laughs> you know, basic math and basic reading all the way up through, you know, rocket science, literally, and deep dives into history. Check out podcasts. Maybe your kids like to listen to stuff while they're doing other things, doing their chores, playing outside. Um, I know that I've gotten a lot out of various podcasts. One of my favorite history podcasts is called Hardcore History. Um, they don't do very many episodes uh, a year, but they're very long episodes. And they're great for just kind of immersing in a particular time period, a particular event or series of events. And so look for those type of things working within your students' parameters, right? What kind of kid do you have? Do you have a kid who wants to watch things or a kid who wants to listen to things or a kid who wants to read things or a kid who wants to do things? Right? If they're a doer, then maybe you need to find some places of historical or scientific interest in your area, or maybe both. Um, I know that in my area, there is a museum um, that, although its primary, the, the primary purpose of the museum is kind of paleo, paleontological, paleontology, paleontological, um, meaning like prehistoric mammals in particular, 
They also have exhibits that have to do with human habitation. So that ties in a history component um, where science is the norm because they have like, you know, stone, different kinds of stone arrowheads and spearheads and other implements of hunting and just life at the time. And so that allows you to integrate both of those things and then explain, extrapolate, or not, well, I guess extrapolate would be a good word, saying, okay, if this is what it was like here, do you think it would have a similar model of life somewhere else during a similar developmental stage, right? Developmental not in a better or worse, but developmental in a, um, if you're using stone tools, there's going to be certain limits as to what you can do. And they go, okay, well, maybe they're using stone tools here in North America in 1300. Uh, meanwhile, they're already in the Iron Age, right, in the medieval period in uh, Europe or in China. What, does, what were those societies like in the Iron Age? Or I mean in the, the Stone Age, right, where they're still using stone tools. And so you're able to, to use... Um, what you have. And that's a great thing for the doers. Maybe you need to have them do some flint napping, right? Making some some stone tools. Maybe you need to have, you know, go out in your backyard, cut down a branch or two and have them make a bow and arrow. And say, look, how effective do you think this would be at hunting, right? Because most bow and arrows that you made out of branches from your backyard aren't going to bring down a deer, much less a mammoth, but they might bring down a rabbit. And then you can go back into the history books, right? And figure out what did people do to make them better? Or back into the science and say, okay, what is it about this branch that makes it okay but not great? What if we got a a kind of wood with different properties? What if we used a different material altogether? Right? And so um, it allows you to then move with the student and direct their attention and ask what if questions um, or how questions which then allows them to discover rather than just stating for them. And there's lots of different things. I mean, you can go look up online all sorts of different things. Um, a great one that I did for a while was uh, called the Da Vinci Bridge, which used uh, stir sticks, like paint stir sticks. And you interlock them in such a fashion to make a arched bridge, right? Those are free or practically free. You can do it with just little pieces of wood, um, popsicle sticks even. And but those are the kind of things that are great for hands-on kids. If they're obviously, if they're a visual learner and they like videos, maybe setting them down in front of a documentary and, and pausing every once in a while to ask questions or um, get them engaged in things. YouTube videos are great for that as well. If they're auditory, maybe while they're mowing the lawn, they should be listening to you know, something that is, that is uh, either teaching them the story of history, like how history works or a particular event or time, um, or in science, like what's going on in the scientific world? How did they, you know, go look for the classic works, um, but also go, you know, what's modern science doing? And these are quick and easy tools for us to use at all levels, right? It's not like you have to give your kindergartner NASA level stuff, but maybe your kindergartner or your second grader, I mean, my soon to be first grader loves YouTube channels like Mark Rober who was a former NASA scientist. He worked on one of the, the rovers that went to Mars. And he does all sorts of cool stuff. And they've watched those videos dozens of times because it introduces them to concepts even if they can't fully understand them and then they can be reintroduced later on. So um, quick start, figure out where they're at, figure out what they know, figure out what they're interested in and go off of that. And then utilize the internet, utilize the library, utilize friends and family that you know um, if your kid is really interested in baking or cooking, that's a great in for math and for science. 
because they're already interested, right? I still, to this day, have not really functionally taught my soon-to-be sixth grader fractions because she's a baker. So I just make her work it out. Um, And I don't have to teach my five-year-old math because he loves math anyways. And so he'll come up and ask me, how do I do this? Or what about that? Or he'll give me thought experiments. What is, you know, or he'll, he'll add stuff up. Like he'll be like, what is 50 plus 127? And then he'll give me the answer and I'll just confirm or deny. Or I'll be teaching his older sister stuff and he will sit there and watch and pick it up. But letters are not great for him. So maybe it's, uh, what does that start, right? We'll start with, we were driving the other day and he's like, cow starts with K. Like, no, but it's the same sound, Right. And so find those opportunities and, and move forward. Um, homeschooling does not have to be expensive. You do not need expensive curriculum. You do not need um, extensive as- access to you know, information. You do not need to go to the library three times a week. You might. That might work for you. Um, it doesn't work for us, partly because I feel like our library in our area is a little bit dumb. But um, they... They can't keep track of books very well, and they're closed to COVID-19 now anyways. But it does not have to be expensive, you know, especially at the younger ages. It, does, it's, you know, it could be practically free because the chances are you have books. You can find them at the garage sales or check them out from the library or download them. Um, you can find worksheets on places like education.com for free. You get a certain number of downloads per month for free. And, and you're just trying to figure out where they're, where they're at and where they're going. And how they can get there well. So um, be encouraged that one, you don't have to spend tons of money. If you are new to homeschooling, now is a great time. Check out a couple episodes ago where I talked about just plant, um, which is just get started. Just start doing it and figure it out as you go, because that's the best way to go about it. To be honest, you're not going to know how you best teach and they're not going to know how they best learn until you start the process and bend and flex. Be flexible flexible, right? They're moving target. You're um, the one who's trying to teach them and you're moving as well. It's going to be messy and you're going to have to adapt probably on a near daily basis until you find what works. And just like in real life, right? If you're a baseball player or a softball player or a football player where you're moving and your target is moving, um, you're going to have to throw the ball. And it's, it takes practice to get good at it, but it can be done. All right, so be encouraged. If you like this episode, please like, subscribe, hit the, hit the buttons, do the things, and I will see you again next time.